2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack,
1: how are you? Um, I haven't <laughs> booked my flights to New York yet, Nick, and I still want to. Will you still hang out with me if the Nets don't make the playoffs?
2: I will stay, still hang out with you. Maybe we can travel to Philadelphia if the Nets don't make the playoffs. Um, it's been probably the worst week of the season. You know, Lost tonight, 117-88, and just another lifeless performance. Just a ton of things out of sync, offensively, defensively lineups all over the place. Just everything kind of went wrong again.
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, someone put it online and and it sort of um, echoed my sentiments. The definition of of insanity is doing the same thing over (laughs) and over again and expecting different results. Um, That's what Brooklyn is right now. Yeah, it's been rough. It's just like
2: all over the place. You know, offensively, they're just – out of rhythm like you know the passes aren't crisp the shots are bad bad shot selection the ball's sticking the ball movement isn't there guys are almost like cutting into space where the other guys cutting kind of drive it's just like the chemistry is all over the place too
1: yeah the chemistry is certainly way out of whack and uh you couldn't time it worse um for for this to sort of be happening when the nets are supposed to you know uh beef up their their record a little bit and you know head into an even tougher stretch but Um, These things happen and, you know, the adversity that we're dealing with now, uh, it's going to determine where we land in the playoffs if we land in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, you know, in in some ways, you know, obviously it does suck to have three games like this and be on a losing streak. But in ways, it's better than it happening at the end of March or the beginning of April. Like they have time to fix this. You know, they have played um, six games in the last nine days since post-All-Star break. Obviously, they were well-rested, but they have been playing a lot of basketball. And on a positive note, 12 games in the next 29 days. And then in the beginning of April, five games in 10 days. So they should be well rested. A lot of teams, you know, ahead of them or behind them have played less games than them. So this is an opportunity for the Nets to kind of get some things right and hopefully find that rhythm sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm always a, a lot more jovial and, and more productive after a good night's sleep. So let's hope the Nets are over that stretch. But Nick, we'll address some of the comments in, in the chat right now. SSV as a couple, uh, take Graham out now and put Levert on the bench. Thoughts on that?
2: yeah I 100% agree I think I messaged you that what in the third quarter I think it's time for Graham to get benched it's not even the fact that like he doesn't bring anything offensively and teams aren't defending him especially tonight Kelly Olynyk was pretty much giving them another rim protector because he didn't have to worry about him but defensively he just hasn't been great either you know being only six five, six six, going up as a guy like that he's not even impacting his shots at the rim or at the three-point line I think at this point in the season like we kind of talked about on a little bit in the last show Levert brings that perimeter defense that you might need from that position it's time to put some somebody bigger like a Damari Keller or Rodion's who I thought Rodion's was nice soon as he came in the game you felt his impact tonight
1: oh yeah big time Uh, I think Rodion's was probably the only positive from tonight's performance and um your thoughts on Levert to the bench
2: Uh, I don't think it's a terrible idea I mean, I think it might allow him to get his rhythm back. You know, I mentioned this to you maybe about a week ago, like going against second unit guys will be a lot easier for him to kind of get that juice back. The only difference is, you know, his pairing with Jared Allen works out so well. We saw a little bit of that early in the game. It's just like Ed Davis doesn't provide that same element and they were a little bit offbeat. But some of that could just come from not playing a ton together. I wouldn't be completely opposed to it if they wanted to start a lineup, let's say uh, D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, Namari Carroll, Rodions, and Jared Allen.
1: Yeah, I, I like that lineup a lot. If you, I, th- I think you need to back the guys that are in form, and those are the guys that are in form right now. But uh, Jacob Loggins certainly doesn't think so. He says, D'Lo back to third string behind Karis oh. and Spencer. Um, Nick, thoughts?
2: Uh, I think one thing for D'Angelo I don't think it's necessarily been completely just on him Playing bad like teams are reacting differently To him we saw Miami really try to force the ball Out of his hands tonight he probably got a little bit Frustrated I think his defense has Kind of gone down a little bit over the last week or so But that could be said for the entire team He doesn't look quite as spry so maybe some of that Workload he had in February like we Mentioned all-star break isn't really a break for guys That go to all-star weekend so maybe he's Just a little tired he hasn't looked quite as spry You know he's still hitting some of those big shots And defenses are reacting I think it's so much more on the coaching staff a little bit to help him out.
1: I think he's almost playing a little bit too selflessly as well because he's trying to be that leader that defers a little bit, get his boys going. Um, I think Coach Kenny needs to ride him out a little bit because he is our star player. He is the guy that is informed the guy who has been healthy all season. Um, let D'Angelo lead this team out of the abyss. Um, I, I think that's easier said than done. Um, but a lot of the time, it, we've gone back to Coach Kenny not knowing what to do with these players, giving those 28, 29 minutes, not, rather than you know giving dealer 35 and letting him do the thing because he's our best player right now. Karis can be, Spencer can be on nights. Um, and we saw some Jared Dudley tonight as well, which was just uh, a sort of filling with some leadership and stuff. But um, I think dealer needs to be playing that a little bit more. Yeah, I
2: think he needs to kind of – they need to find ways to get him more comfortable. I thought Miami just really disrupted him tonight. You know, off the screens, they were trapping him. The Nets didn't react well, and I think some of that's not just on the coaching staff, but his teammates as well. And then just the overall ball sticking a little bit. Like, the te- team just isn't playing well, and that impacts him. And I feel like he feels like he needs to get the offense going because guys aren't passing the ball right, and he wants to infuse that – and now it's just like kind of confusing him and what he needs to do in his role. And I do think it gets a lot more complicated when you're pretty much the guy. You know, Shabazz wasn't great during that stretch. You know, Levert was out there when he was out. Now he's the guy. He's taking all the shots. He has the high usage rate. And now that changes when you add two more ball handlers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes it way more complicated. Um, and I think they need to figure out really soon because that is going to be the key thing. If those three guys are playing well and, you know, at the at the start of the season, that was um, a real sort of key seeking point and a key... Uh, point of emphasis uh, for the Nets and their success. Obviously, the injuries uh, to the two guys um, and and the resting uh, here and there. It's going to be what determines our success going forward. Yes, you know, Jared Dudley in that four position is going to be important as well, um, but I'm not necessarily uh, totally in on the fact that that is the be all and end all for, for the Nets' woes. But speaking on that four position, Logan LDG, what do you think about Dudley starting with Kurutz taking most of the four minutes?
2: um I mean he did start you know a good chunk of the season different parts of the year he wasn't terrible he didn't play starter minutes he kind of just filled in that role I think he might actually help the team a little bit more than Graham and I think about it this way if you're going to play a zone heavy defense you don't necessarily need amazing on-ball defenders you need better team defenders that's one thing Jared Dudley's pretty good at communicating rotating to the right position so I wouldn't be completely opposed to that but I'd probably be more interested in Dudley playing the four off the bench and Rodion starting and getting a big chunk of the minutes
1: yeah, I'd be with that. Um, SSV has chimed in again, Nick. Uh, benching Allen for Davis, especially when we're struggling to rebound. Um, before we do address that, I was looking up some stats over our losing streak since January thirty-one. The Nets, in terms of defensive rebounding percentage, have been uh, pretty pitiful. Uh, mm. They've been they've ranked twenty-seventh overall, just ahead of the Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors, and the Phoenix Suns. So um, I know that defensive rebounding uh for me is the the key crux of of a lot of our defensive woes it's it's the simplest thing to do and i think our starting lineup was quite pitiful jared allen again wasn't showing enough there the guards and the wings aren't showing enough there either uh, i think that that's one area that you should be able to clean up with just more energy and just a, a change of mindset. So uh, boxing I think out <laughs> and boxing out. Just uh, I think it's simple things. When Rodion's was out there, he was hunting those defensive rebounds like they were offensive rebounds, and he was at Davis. Um, so I think that's one area that we can change and should be able to change. Um, not necessarily easily, but you know, but without Hassan Whiteside, you know, you should be able to be out rebound a team like the Miami Heat. Yeah, no,
2: and uh, I think Yes Network put up the stats during the game and, you know, during uh, December and January, they were good. And since then, they've just dropped. And I think, you know, it's a team effort. You do need bigger guys out there. Rodion's, like you said, came and got the rebounds. Damari's been a good rebounder for his position. Dudley isn't necessarily an amazing rebounder, but I will give him credit for putting bodies on guy, boxing people out. I think it's got to be a team effort. We need to see all the guys kind of attack. A lot of times, this doesn't go for just rebounding. It goes through the offense. It goes through the defense. you just guys standing around and ball-watching.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was just grabbing a drink. It's really <laughs> um, But I, I agree. I think that it just seems like there's that lack of focus and engagement at times. And I think because the Nets are healthy right now, um, they're sort of using that as an, to me anyway, the optics seems like they're using it as an excuse to be like, look, you know, Alan Crabb doesn't need to do this because, you know, Joe Harris is on fire and, you know, um, Ronnie Hollis or Trevion Graham doesn't need to do this because Rodion's courts is healthy and Jared Dudley's back. I, I think the guys just need to have that little bit of extra focus, and uh, I, I think the endeavour is okay. It's just not all fitting and meshing well. Um, but there is a lot of issues. And harking back to that um, that comment earlier, Nick, would you start Ed Davis over Jared Allen right now? He has been incredibly poor over this short stretch.
2: I mean, I maybe we would do it just to send a message to Jared Allen, but I think Jared Allen opens up a completely different element offensively with his vertical spacing. You know, Ed Davis has been solid finishing around the rim, but he's not going to finish a ton of alley-oops, and I think that's what uh, Jared Allen does. We saw a couple plays tonight that really worked out well, and it's just like maybe he's fatigued, maybe he needs some rest, and we talked about this before. I think the Nets still really need that third big.
1: Yeah, um, Frank Kaminsky, Nick. Come on, mate, get around it. <laughs> Honestly,
2: uh, I don't know who they could even you know get at this point that would really help them. But I think they need to consider someone. I don't even know if it's Allen Williams. Just like, I think Jared Allen might need some rest. He just doesn't look as bright. Even a couple plays, you know, tonight and in, in the previous game, usually he would throw it down. He laid it in, and he missed one or two of those. And I think he's a little fatigued.
1: Uh, it certainly looks that way. Um, and I think that, you know, you see we made the comparison with Mitchell Robinson before. Mitchell Robinson suddenly hit some really good form because, you know, the rookies, it takes a little bit longer to figure out what the game is like. And that's what we saw Jared Allen was like in his rookie season. You know, he found that form, got in the starters position. But, you know, he was he was notching up double-doubles like it was no one else's business. He was blocking shots. He was on House of Highlights, ESPN, all that sort of jazz. Um, but this, it, I, I think... When you don't have the fulcrum to your defense and a big part of your offense in terms of nailing screens, um, I think that's one area as well. The screening has really dropped. And that's, weak. that's like, it's been a lot weaker. And it's forced guys like Joe Harris, Alan Crab, guys who, you know, thrive off that to sort of create their own. And uh, they're obviously going to be a lot better when they have those open looks. But uh, Nick, via uh, Young on Twitter, major shakeups needed thoughts on this. Shorten the rotation, improve rebounding, start d lobe, Joe, Rudy, Carolyn Allen, which we've spoken about that, uh, bring Karras, Dinwiddie, Crab, Davis off the bench, sub so we don't have much overlap with the three main guards so they can all be the lead ball handler, each one on the court. I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't
2: hate it. I don't know if they did it. We said a little bit on the last show, maybe going to a nine-man rotation might work out a little bit better. You know, Damari and Rodion's and occasionally just playing small. I wouldn't be completely against it, and I think it worked. I think at certain times early in the year before D'Lo and Karis really got in sync, I thought he played a little bit better with Dinwiddie at times too. Because Dinwiddie – even though um, he can still score and drives a lot and will you know, take his shots, I feel like he fo- he can focus a little bit more on facilitating and doesn't impact his game. Where D'Angelo, you can still tell there's times where he has a hard time balancing it out.
1: Yeah, and uh, our boy Will, uh, writer at OTG, Will Jackson, um, has made a point in terms of in relation to Davis. He hasn't played more than nine and a half minutes versus Charlotte and Washington, so... Um, it, it may be, and he makes the point that Kenny needs to figure out how to use him a little bit better because he, you know, offensive rebounding machine. We know what Ed Davis can do. You know, he was being touted as the best uh pickup um in Nets history in terms of free agency. So uh, th- I think Ed Davis has a, a, a huge role to play, but and he should have been feasting on a night like tonight. I mean, he had probably one or two good plays, but you know, just doing the rundown for Nets Republic, which will be on their side soon enough. Um, he just wasn't impactful enough, and a lot of these guys weren't.
2: To get back to the previous question from one of the other viewers, I actually wouldn't mind where Kenny almost plays whichever center matches up better. You know, Bam's a little bit bigger and physical. He was more physical than Jared Allen tonight. That might have been a better matchup for Ed Davis. And then, you know, you put Jared Allen against Udonis Haslam he should be able to feast on him. And I think there's different matchups out there where, you know, Ed Davis can bring that physical presence and then Jared Allen brings that quickness and, you know, he can do the oops. And if he has to play a little bit with the bench, like a guy like Dinwiddie or a guy like Karis Avert, who he even said at All-Star Weekend, he had the best chemistry with Karis.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that that sort of is an advocate for putting Karras on the bench. But there are changes that need to be made. And some home truths, I'm sure, will be set on that flight home back to Brooklyn and uh, as we're heading to the next game. But Nick, uh, another one from Logan D. Gilchrist. Uh, who takes the lion's share of the blame if the Nets do miss the playoffs? Um, I, I think it'll probably be Coach Kenny, just because he's it's always the coach at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, it's usually going to be the coach. They're going to get the blame. I mean, I think realistically, it's a combination of the players and the coach. I know people will say Sean Marks, but... I'm not really that offended that he didn't make a move at the deadline for a four. At the end of the day, the Nets' best case scenario was they're going to make you know a six or eight seed and get knocked out in the first round, most likely, unless they were able to you know steal something in the first round. So I don't mind not trading a first round pick and trying to get you know Nicole Miritich or something like that, because we've seen in the past the Nets have traded plenty of picks and they've turned into all-stars or future all-stars. So keeping your picks and wanting to build up the assets, I think, was a smart move. So I don't give much blame to Sean Marks. I think it would just be more so on the coaching staff and on the players. And I think from the coaching staff's perspective, it's just like we talked about this on the outlet with Brad Stevens, trying to get all these personalities to work together. I don't think it's much the personalities, it's more the style of play and just making the proper adjustments so everybody has purpose on the court and they're providing some type of value that plays to their best skill set.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we saw tonight there was an outcry, not just from Unique, but plenty of other guys on this Twitter that we saw the exact same starting lineup. And that starting lineup was piss poor uh, in, in the last matchup. So why would you not make a change just to see what could happen? Um, so obviously if we don't start to see those changes, then the criticism is only going to grow and grow. And I know for me, the expectations at the start of the season weren't great. You know, I had them about 35 wins or so. Um, I can't necessarily remember. i have to check back on OGD basketball, uh, but mine weren't great. So the fact that we now have these expectations and Joe Harris mentioned the Zach Lowe podcast, they are speaking playoffs. You know, they, the guys talk about it and you can't help, but not, but now that you have these expectations on you, the pressure is there to perform. And right now the, we're dwindling under that pressure.
2: Yeah. And, you know, some of the teams are competing with, you know, Detroit has been in this position before competing for a playoff spot. Charlotte's been in this position, with seems, for like the last five years. Miami, obviously, has been fighting for an eighth seed for a while now since LeBron left. The only team that's new to it is Orlando. And like we've said, they have a really easy schedule. So it's just like the Nets are in a different situation. They need to learn and kind of expand on that and adjust. And I think like we talked about a lot yesterday. The adjustments just aren't there. Like, teams are throwing different looks at them, reading the scouting report, you know, making plays, and the Nets just aren't adjusting to what the other team is doing. Or even the officiating in certain things. Like, the officiating tonight was like, all right, we're going to let you play a physical game. The Nets didn't turn up their physicality.
1: No, they didn't. They didn't hit their shots either. Um, and SSV has come back, Nick. Um, in relation to the zone, so I think we could probably have a general chat about defense here. Thoughts on when to use the zone and when to go back to man to man? Kenny doesn't seem to make the switch quick enough. I'll go with. I remember doing a, a pre gamer for and, and mentioning the zone for Mostly, and, and I think this was following one of the Spurs matchups. I think the the, the close loss that we generally go to it off the, after after made baskets, yep. because it allows you to set up, gives you the time. So if it's off a miss, you know, obviously you have to get back in transition. You don't have the time uh, and all the the requisite energy to sort of just get set up immediately. So you have to go man to man. So generally, that's when it is used. But I think that because there are these new guys now, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily new guys, just the the full rotation, and the, the communication isn't necessarily there. And I think communication is the number one thing with the zone. And there were far too many open looks for, for a Miami Heat team who have some okay three point shooters. You know, Kelly Olynyk was killing us from there, and you know, Dwayne Wade was hitting the one or two as well. So um, I think that's those are my thoughts on, on the on the zone and and defense in general. I just don't think that there is the 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 engagement, and just we need this, those hustle plays and the deflections to sort of really come up.
2: Yeah, I think uh, communication is key. All the different lineup combination, guys don't know where they're supposed to be. Also think of someone, you know, Miami's another team that plays a ton of zone. They were able to kind of beat the zone. They understood what they needed to do to beat the zone. Now the scattering reports out how to beat the zone against the Nets. They either need to adjust. We kind of talked about it, you know, going back to the last show, a lot of the same issues we saw last night is they're not adjusting, throwing different zone looks out there. You know, they're mostly running a 2-3 zone, or maybe they need to switch it up and do something a little bit different or just stick to man-to-man. But overall, like you said, Jack, the defense isn't at a high enough intensity level. The other team does not feel the nets. They allow them to get comfortable early in the game start hitting some shots and we talked about this against the Hornets I hate keep going back to the the previous game but teams are getting right in front of the rim they're getting that free throw line to the paint area and getting those shots and that's just an easy shot to hit you're going to build your confidence you're going to start hitting threes you know you said the are an okay three-point shooting team I know we're talking to Jorge who covers the heat for us you know they miss a ton of wide open shots but if you allow them to get confidence early in the game they're going to hit their shots and then that's just don't bring it enough defensively and make you feel them like you said the deflections like you need to get deflections all it does is disrupt the def- uh, the offense and that's what you need to do and the heat did a great job of disrupting our offense and we couldn't adapt and we didn't do that to them at all
1: no we didn't obviously they're an incredibly well drilled team you know under eric expulsion and such but uh, crazy dean in the comments as well nick make us a comment we need to run with a lineup that can switch everything a little bit more and we sort of t- talked about if you have a guy like rodeons and damari out there i think that is a lot more switchable uh, and lay off the zone for a little bit so um, what do you think about uh, the, the Nets' ability to play a more switching style of defense?
2: I think if you're going to play a switching style of defense, team rebounding is the most important thing. You know, you need to come together and rebound because let's say we have Jared Allen defending, um, you know, Winslow at the three-point line putting up a shot. Like, the team has to come in and box out Bam. You know what I mean? Even if you're going to play small, you're going to find a way to box out and play, you know, team rebounding. I think you could even play the lineup with Jared Allen. Like, I think you could switch one through five. And that's just another thing that Kenny could do. You know, sometimes we're not going to switch other times we're going to switch. And that just disrupts the the offense and what they're looking for when you're coming at them. And we talked about it when the Nets were at their best defensively was when they're throwing a ton of different looks at, at the other team.
1: I think switching only works when you have Kairos Levert running the floor for me. Uh, I think if you have D'Angelo and Spencer out there, those guys, especially D'Angelo Russell, they'll hunt that switch, you know, a la what the Houston Rockets love to do. They just find that switch that they want and then they just attack off it with a guy like James Harden. So I think that in terms of switching, yes, it can work in principle, but like you mentioned, there are a lot of things around it that need to sort of be uh, enacted for it to fully uh, be at its best. But um, Jose makes a nice point. Jose am in, in the comments as well. Nick. Uh, I feel we stick with lineups too long when it's going wrong. I agree because I feel like it's always like Coach Kenny waits that five minutes too long for the timeout. There's two minutes too long, that one game too long to change the lineups, you know, rather than being proactive. And we've said at the start of the season, you know, that's one thing we wanted to see from Coach Kenny. And he showed that during that really uh, successful streak. Whereas now he's been a lot more reactive.
2: Yeah and just one thing to touch on the switching I think you have to play great team defense to switch but to get back to this I think um, things are going like slightly bad like in the second quarter you could tell the Nets were out of sync but they were you know within the game eight points ten points and Kenny really needed to make a change in that second quarter you know he needed to make some type of lineup adjustment and he didn't he waited until it was 15 16 20 point lead for Miami then he started changing things up same thing in Charlotte you know he went to that small ball switching lineup that's when the Nets got it close he needs to be more proactive like you said Jack in making the switch
1: and not waiting till the game gets blown out of proportion uh logan again nick uh just wants us to reiterate why hasn't damari gotten a shot at the starting four position yet N- yet uh do you think there will be a riot if he or roadie aren't in the starting four position
2: <laughs> yeah well first off i just want to shout out to all the listeners and viewers for giving us all these great questions but uh i think Nets twitter might freak out if graham starts next game i think they'd even be happy at this point with dudley starting
1: yeah and, and i think uh how would you rank Nick, Damari, Rody, and Jared? Who do you go one, two, three?
2: I think Damari is, you know, the best player at this point, but I wouldn't be completely offended. We kind of talked about this on a lot of previous shows. Like he fits really good with that second unit. He has some good chemistry with Spencer Dunwoody. So if he didn't want to start him, I think that would be okay. And you want to go with Rhodey But I would rank, you know, Damari and Rody at, you know, one, and then Dudley in his own category where I think if you start Dudley still, you don't play him starter minutes. You're just kind of putting him out there to set the tone.
1: Yeah, and I think in terms of like you mentioned setting the tone, I think Roddy really has a, a a way of being able to do that just by himself through his general energy and, and intangibility. With that, you know, him and Dealer have this really nice chemistry that I really love. You know, couple of always- hoops
2: the last few games. He hasn't thrown down the dunk,
1: but he's been a couple of lands and a nice cuts. That dunk, that poster tonight was. Yeah. It seems to me, Rodion's has been the only highlight guy over this stretch. Whereas Deanzo Russell nailing, uh, he's had a couple of floaters here and there that have been insane. But Jared Allen, with uh, it seems to me like we've we've harked back to you know there's only a few highlights per game. Whereas when the Nets are at their best, the, the bench is celebrating, everything is is jovial. So uh, I would prefer to have actually Rodion in that starting lineup because I think he's proven himself, and I like Damari with the second unit as well. And obviously with the closing, you know, I think he's the best closer as well. But um, I, I think there's a lot of issues in that four position is obviously one, um, but it's one we need to address. And Nick, before you get your stat out there, I, I, I wanted to look up because obviously our three-point shooting has been quite poor of late, especially over this stretch. And uh, I found it, and we're, we're actually 26 in the league since the end of January at 33.3%, only ahead of the Hornets, Pelicans, Grizzlies, and Suns. Um, the Nets rebounding and three-point shooting i think uh if you're going by kpis key performance indicators those are right up there in terms of how we need to be successful
2: yeah especially three-point shooting team and that would be like the deciding factor in a playoff series would be like all right the nets got hot from three we're kind of screwed they have so many good three-point shooters but when you have guys you know joe harris isn't getting the looks he needs and alan has been pretty cold like the last two games one of One of nine tonight from three and then one of three in the last game. And he looks like, you know, he looked good coming back initially. Now he's starting to kind of get into a slump again.
1: Yeah, I think that there needs to be some real emphasis on finding Joe Harris' open looks, finding Alan Crabb' open looks. Damari Carroll, I think, over this stretch with Joe Harris has been our only competent three-point shooter, and that's not based on any stats, but it just seems to me he seems the most confident from there. D'Angelo Russell's obviously been a bit had his moments as well, but, you know, Spencer, Karras, all these guys who are so integral to our system haven't been able to shoot a three-ball well enough. You know, Trevion Graham is, is an obvious point, but uh, that's an area we, we really, really need to fix up.
2: Yeah, even, you know, like, just they don't even respect Trevion Graham's three. Like, Mm -hmm. Rodion doesn't shoot a good three-point percentage, but they at least stick out there and try to block his shot. Like, Trevion Graham, they're just like, all right, shoot it, bro. We don't care.
1: Yeah, and you can't have that. And I I think that uh, a lot of people have made the comparison you have as well. You know, if if that's going to happen, then you might as well just have Rondé out there because he can at least give you that defensive energy that Trevion seems to have lost a little bit. And just that sort of, you know, sometimes erratic energy, but, you know, he can get the deflections, the seals, the transition sort of stuff going. So obviously, you know, Trevion Graham's, you know, place in the Nets lineup is going to be a thing going forward. But Nick, I'm I'm, I'm very uh, excited. I don't know if excited. excited is a bit heavy of a word because it's going to be a, probably a pretty poor uh, stat that you're going to be using. But um, what do you got for me?
2: No, I already dropped my stat earlier in the show, Jack. It was more oh. about the schedule. Gotcha. The schedule. So if you look at it this way, I'll even break it down a little bit more. Six games in nine days is a lot. Like, there's no way around that. Your team's going to be fatigued. 17 games in 39 days. So they're at an advantage for the final stretch of the season in terms of rest. And we talked about this before. A lot of teams have played less games than them. Yeah, like they look fatigued in these last games. I'm not making excuses. They played poor. They've been out of sync. The chemistry's been bad. But I think some of it's fatigue, especially a guy like Jared Allen. I think D'Angelo Russell hasn't looked as spry. Like I think the team just needs some juice. They're going to be able to get prepared and rested for all these games for this final stretch. So as bad as it looks right now, this team could easily bounce back and go on a nice winning streak or a nice winning stretch. You know, things look terrible at that uh, eight-game losing streak, and things could easily bounce back from this, you know, skid that we're having right now.
1: Yeah, and in terms of, I think, the next sort of five games or so, you look at every sort of game-by-game scenario, but you judge everything off a body of the work. The last three games have been pitiful. You know, Miami, Washington. Probably the worst of the season. I would probably agree because you know you have the fact that you know, most guys are healthy and you expect to be at your best with you know the the, the team at, at its best with, with all guys there and the rotation sort of being at its strongest. So uh, I think you know you look at another three game stretch and then you look at you know the uh, the longer stretch you know the four and eight. Um, you, you look at those sort of collective uh, long stretches of games and, and sort of judge each each game individually and then as a collective because you know going forward. The, the tide needs to change because, um, we're drowning. I'm good with the metaphor today, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: We are drowning. I mean, it just feels so strange after such like a successful stretch. It's almost like getting all these players back in all this town has just disrupted everything that was going on. Like, it's just we're trying to bring back two players of the caliber of Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. It's just tough to infuse in a lineup, especially like I said, when you have six games in nine days.
1: Yeah. Uh, no practice time.
2: You're probably, you're, you might get like a small practice, a shoot around, but nothing too in depth. The, probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to, they have Dallas on Monday, Cleveland on Wednesday, then they have two days off. So you should be able to really make some true adjustments on those days.
1: And if the Nets lose the Cleveland game or even the Dallas game, you know, I, I think that uh, again, if I, I mentioned at the end of the last pod, we just need to play well. We're not playing well. There aren't any areas of our game, you know, rebounding, three-point shooting, defense. There is nothing going well with the Nets right now. Rodion's is doing okay and has been a, a somewhat flicker of light in this pretty dark period. Another one. I'm, I'm killing it right now. <laughs> um, I think it's the teacher in me. But it, uh, it's just been a, a pretty poor, poor performance and one of the worst stretches of the season, like you mentioned, Nick. And are there any other things you wanted to mention? Because, uh, I mean, we could argue and and debate about this team all day but we thoroughly thoroughly uh thank all the people that have been tuned in and uh tuning in afterwards on on the pod as well
2: yeah, especially for the losses. I know it's a lot uh sometimes it's like relieving though. I know I talked to you yesterday and I was kind of vented afterwards where I was like, all right, at least I got all my thoughts out about the Nets playing like trash and I don't have to worry about it. I think really like other than being out of sync, like they have to make shots and some of that comes with just being in sync and having rhythm. We talk about this all the time. It's such a rhythm game and there's just no rhythm at all. It's, I think uh, it's on the players, but it's also on the coaching staff and they need to try to find a way to get these guys in position to really get a lot of easy layups. We see it here and there during the game, but maybe it's just a real. Deeper game plan for Dallas, who we talked about is not a great team at the moment, and that's two games at home where they really need to pick up two Ws.
1: Yep, proactive rather than reactive. You know, you don't want to change things based off things that he's doing. You know, be prepared for what Dallas is going to have for you. You know, and and then you know, scout, read all the film, watch all the film, read all the notes, whatever you got to do, and then you know, be prepared for anything that might come your way. You know, if if Trevion Graham's not shooting well, bang, take him out. If, you know, da- if, if Carlos Levert isn't playing well, bang, take him out. Let dealer take over things. You know, have those sort of precautions in place for when things do go wrong. You have enough
2: good players now, you know, not amazing players, but solid to good players where if someone's not playing well, you can bench them. And like it's about the team. They're building this culture. If you have to bench a guy, you shouldn't be worried about it. It happens. You had a bench Rondé, who was probably one of the culture setters and one of the guys that you really believed in. He's got DNP's. So if you have to bench Graham, I don't think it's a big deal, and you just
1: got to do it. Yeah, you got to make those tough decisions. That's what uh why the coaches are paid the big bucks, and not necessarily with the big bucks in comparison to the players, but you know it's why they're in the role. They're they're forced to make those tough decisions as part of their job, and. You know, Coach Kenny, um, we need you right now more than ever. Obviously, we need our players to, to execute as well uh, in that sort of sense of the word because Coach Kenny can only say so much. It's up to the players to execute. So I think yeah. uh, the players really need to, to step up.
2: Turn up the energy, turn up the effort. Jack, I do have one question for you, though. So, you know, obviously there's been a big effort in trying to get Dinwiddie and Levert involved in back in sync and chemistry in the, you know, the team in general. And obviously the results haven't been great. It's probably probably got in there a little bit too soon. But do you think it could benefit the Nets in the long run if they're able to find this chemistry in this rhythm, getting Levert and Dinwiddie back in rhythm when it really matters later in the season, as long as they don't miss the playoffs?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you want your three best players to be performing at their best once that postseason is around, but at the same time, you want to get those wins. So you're thinking semi-short to long-term, but you're also thinking very narrow term in terms of you want to get the win in that game. That's as simple as that. Um, so at the same time, uh, you need to be able to adjust to whatever is happening in the game. And I think Logan, again, has made a really good point that He finds it strange that Kenny is so hesitant to make changes to rotation right now when he was in caps lock so quick to pull D'Lo if he made any silly mistake earlier in the season. So I think Coach Kenny needs to have maybe a similar sort of mentality. If, you know, if D'Lo doesn't do a rebound, you know, if Carol Levert misses a rotation, if Spencer misses a rotation, if Trevion doesn't hit a three or at least isn't taking the three or isn't playing defense, then just immediately do it. You know, back your instincts. And I think I would rather be criticizing him um, and and be, before making too many adjustments, they're not making enough.
2: Yeah, I think uh, one thing with Kenny, he'll uh, he'll pull a guy if he doesn't do an assignment right. But if he's not playing you know, necessarily well and not hitting shots, he doesn't pull them. Where well, I think that's where he needs to adjust. Like Trevion might be doing technically everything right on the floor that he's supposed to, but he's not playing at a high enough level. So you just have to realize like, all right, we need to take him out. Like that's I think his problem is like, hey, if... You know, uh, you miss an assignment, I'm going to bench you. But no, hey, you miss five threes and you're not providing anything offensively. I need to bench you. That's what he needs to do, and he's not doing that.
1: Definitely. Um, a- another one. We've got another one from-, from Head Gale Antoine. How likely are we able to win these next four games? And for those uh, playing along at home, we've got the Mavs, we've got the Cavs, we've got the Hawks, we've got the Pistons. Uh, what are your thoughts on the record uh, through that stretch, Nicholas?
2: I think, um, you know, obviously, best case they win all four. Um, You know, a semi-optimistic scenario is three and one. I think realistically two and two is the most likely thing to happen because Atlanta's been playing really well right now and Trey Young's been on like a tear. And Detroit has been probably one of the hottest teams in the East for like the last month. I think they've probably been one of the best teams in the league in February. So it's really about that Dallas and Cleveland game. But they could win those two games and then all of a sudden they could have that mojo back, that chemistry and that juice. And then all of a sudden they're back at a high level. All it takes is one game to push you back to where you were playing at.
1: Oh, absolutely. All it takes is one. But uh, I think we need to probably go three and one over that stretch because... I think you that, need to
2: beat Atlanta. Like, you, you you know, they're playing good, but you need to beat them because they're just not up to your level right
1: now. And then obviously as well, we have the Thunder and the Jazz in the next two matchups after that. So that's when the, the schedule gets very tricky. So obviously it's game by game proposition. All the sort of, you know, uh, superlatives you want to use. But the the Nets really need to have a good stretch here because um, it, it could get uh, dark really quickly.
2: Should they have a players meeting tomorrow or a players video session again like they did after that losing streak? Or is
1: it kind of coming too soon? Oh, I don't know. I think that a lot of that sort of gets overblown. It certainly does help. Um, Joe Harris have- thought it
2: really mattered a lot in that podcast though, Jack.
1: Well, oh, he did, but at the same time, you know, I think now is where you want the coaches to sort of step up because we saw tonight, you know, d going going into the coaches' huddle, Jared Dudley saying things on the bench. Um, words only mean so much. plays meetings only mean so much. Let's just play some bloody good basketball.
2: Yeah, who's who's most likely to step up in the next, next game and bring, not necessarily have an amazing scoring outburst, outburst and, you know, put up 25 or something like that, but someone who's going to come in and set the tone and bring the energy that can really get the whole squad going.
1: I'm going with Damari Carroll because I think he has continues to do it even over this sort of poor stretch. Um, and he does it low key and not getting sort of the kudos. Whereas Rodion does it and everyone loses their minds. And they do because <laughs> he's a rookie and he's great. Uh, and we sort of expect less of him. But the expert, Damari's been doing this all season for us. He's been um, one of our most consistent performers. You know, you could go with the easy ones of DeAndre Russell. But in terms of lesser lights, I would probably go with the other guys. I would go with Damari <laughs> Carroll.
2: The other guys series we're running at otgbasketball.com for all the other guys, you know, not the all-stars, not the big names. They get all the notoriety. But I like uh, Damari. You could probably say Damari's been doing it for two seasons for the Nets. He's been, you know, setting the tone, doing the examples. Um, Yeah, Rodion gets all the hype, but he does still miss his assignments out there. I know Kenny was yelling at him for not stepping up defensively on one of those rotations. I think I like when D'Angelo comes out, though, and uh, we saw this a couple games on that winning streak where he got a steal early on the game, got the easy transition bucket, got the deflections. I think we really need to disrupt the ball handlers early in the game because that's really what's killing us. Point guard, shooting guard, small forward, they're just getting in front of the pain of that free throw line area, getting those easy shots, building up the confidence, breaking down the defense, giving up those open threes. So I want to see the guards. Is it D'Lo? Is it Caris LeVert? Is it Spencer? doing what he I want to see them start disrupting the ball handlers, especially in that pick and roll, and just make them feared that they're going to lose the ball or get it stolen
1: yeah it seems to me that obviously those three guys are going to be the most important uh, important players over this sort of four games for the rest of the season we sort of talked about it both ends too you
2: could argue not even just offensively I think offensively and defensively you could say they're the most important guys because that's just where the ball is most of the time in NBA games
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's that's plain and simple. But I, I, in, in terms of obviously defensively, I think they just need to show the right energy and make the right plays and not sort of, you know, sag off and, and if fight, when fighting through screens, you know, show that little bit of extra juice than you, you might not normally do. And just make things a little bit hard. Wave your hands in the air, do whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's going to be a tough stretch. And I mean, we could go on for days, Nick, but is there anything else we wanted to touch on before we end this uh, lovely pod?
2: yeah no if uh, the nets lose on monday we're canceling the bus no i'm just kidding uh, um yeah jack always good to talk to you even if it's after a loss thank everybody for all the questions and uh views and listens and everything like that if you want to listen to previous shows itunes blog talk radio ggbasketball.com that's republic.com dash radio and youtube
0: nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america and the more you do with 5g the more building it right matters the more your network matters